0: You're listening to the Beat Motel Zine podcast, and we need to warn you that we use words like sh*t, bollocks, scratux, syndicalist and can, and we don't normally beat those words out, apart from the word can, because we're not total animals. Now, we know as well as you that your children can hear these words on any street in Britain, possibly any street anywhere in the world. But we also appreciate that you may not want to invite these words into your home if you have children or sensitive pets nearby whilst listening to this podcast. So listener discretion is advised. That being said, if your children aren't allergic to hearing words like shit or hind penis, they might learn something from listening to this podcast, although probably not because the quality of our educational content is quite poor. So there you go fuckers, buckle in and let's get started. Hey, it's just me, Andrew, this time, flying solo. I'm laying on my settee in Ipswich and there's a cat behind me who probably won't make any noise. Nope, sniffed the phone, that's about what she's interested in. Right, so we're at nearly 40 episodes of the Beat Motel Zine podcast now, so I thought it was probably about time we actually did a zine review. And I've got two zines we're going to review, both sent to me very kindly by Mr. Marv Gadji. So the first zine I'm going to talk about is Gadji number 50. I cannot believe 50. That's a a remarkable number for any zine to get to. My own zine got to 10 issues, and that took me long enough. But Gadji, if you've not heard about it before, it's written by a guy whose two obsessions, I think it would be fair to say, would be brutal thrash (laughs) on the punk vein more than the metal side of things, I believe, and writing very funny kind of reminiscences about his upbringing in Gisbra, or Guysborough, I'm not sure. I should know how to pronounce it. So Gadget50 is a proper zine, by which I mean the quality of the printing is okay, it's reasonable. The font is... Oh my goodness, the font is Comic Sans, which I'm not really a fan of, but only for very snobby reasons. But to give you a flavour of the sort of era that, that Marv, the author, comes from, the cover of Gadge number 50, has a picture of four characters from Return of the Jedi on a beach. There's Darth Vader, there's an Ewok can't remember any of the e-box names. There's Princess Leia in that bikini thing, looking like she's trying to hitch scratch an itch on her back or something. And a lad, one of those green lads that live in Jabba the Hats Jabba the Hutt's Palace. Uh, look a bit sort of like a hog or something. I'm not gonna read like loads of bits for these zine reviews because they've just become tedious, but I want to just read the beginning of the intro for Now Gaggi. Now, I'm not assuming that anyone listening to this is actually familiar with zines, and this type of British scene fits kind of into its own genre, even in the world of zines. It's all kind of, pretty much all the, the output of one person, although there are guest, guest contributors in this episode, which I'll talk about in a minute. So here's the intro from Mr Marv himself. Now then, Gadgie, get your bucket and spades out, slip on your flip-flops, and have a fucking ice cream because it's a summer holiday and school's out forever. Yeah, welcome to Gadgie Summer Special of 2023 and let's face it, I've got plenty of time on my hands. So there's only so many times you can wander into town to look around the Chazza shops for cheap DVDs and records, isn't there? Yep, I have a pile of Wazzle releases I want to tell you about, plus a summer of adventures lined up for the summer. Oh sorry, a number of adventures lined up for the summer. So I figured I'd knock out a quick mini-issue and call it the Summer Special. Inspired by all those wonderful holiday editions like the Beano, Shiver... The Beano, Shiver and Shake... I really should have read this and rehearsed it, shouldn't I? Um, Inspired... Oh dear, I've got to start again. Yeah, I have a pile of Wazzle releases I wanted to tell you about, plus a number of adventures lined up for the summer. So I figured I'd knock out a quick mini-issue and call it the Summer Special. Inspired by those wonderful holiday editions the likes of the Beano, Shiver and Shake... Or Whizzer and Chips comics from the 70s and 80s, which were all the stories that were set at the beach and what have you. I envisaged a mini edition of Gadgie and then, well, got a bit excited, and now we have a foolish year on our hands. A bloody century. <laughs> Gadgie 50, I've never heard an out like it. Sorry, I, I put the uh, N, it should be, a, never heard out like it. So yeah, Marvie does this as a teacher, so I guess summer holidays are an exciting time for him. Um, but the, I just want to read that cuz it should give you the flavour of you know if, well, if you're in the UK you can probably date exactly how old marv is i certainly remember the uh, summer the summer special comics god they're fantastic right so classic kind of classic zine format although um, marv puts record reviews at the front in this issue which which is unusual i always think of kind of the classic music zine format as being very similar to MRR Maximum Rock and Roll, like the the number one big, most famous scene. Well, having a big, most famous scene does feel kind of slightly against the ethos of, of scenes, but Maximum Rock and Roll really does set the standard. What I really like about the reviews in each issue of Gadgie is that Marv only um he only reviews things he really likes, which is really cool because it can become a bit tiresome as a reviewer, and I've been reviewing some stuff for for other other titles recently. It can come get a bit a bit tiresome trying to think of ways to explain things you don't like. <laughs> and I'm going to read another bit because I I love Marv's sense sense of humour. So the little intro bit to the records review section, and they are actual records. They are seven inches, in a lot of cases. Here's here's what Marv writes. I mean, it's the heading image is. Sesame Street, Burton and Ernie's Greatest Hits <laughs> which, is, which just looks brilliant and then it says record reviews or in other words records I've been listening to and enjoying of late I really haven't had the time or inclination to listen to and think about records I don't like although I suppose it's fun to write negative shit flinging reviews like I'd rather shower in diarrhoea than listen to this or arse oh, sandwich and chips or horse Bank pie that's just mean in it. on with the show I imagine if Mahov's listening to this and um, he might do, he must be cringing at my strange Suffolk accent, saying these things that that should be in a, in a um, Midlands to Northern accent, I guess. So, yeah, great reviews. And I mean, he really does. He writes so. Look, you hear the pages turn. He writes so nicely and so, so effectively about the music he loves. It's an absolute joy. It's one of those zines, actually, where I I read all the reviews because I might never want to listen to the music, although there's a lot of things in this issue I am going to look up. Just the way he writes about it, it's just a joy. And there's a huge, a huge kind of article on, um, there's a section called Lost Classics from the Punk Wars. That's a huge review of a UK punk corporation, Seven Inch, which is a seven-inch compilation album, which just kind of blows my mind a bit. How on earth do you cram so much onto a seven-inch? There's regular sections I always enjoy Gadgie, like The Things People Say, which is things that he's heard. Uh, this particular one is about university, and he's recalling something that somebody said when he was at university um, some time ago. One of my, my favourite quotes from an older edition of Gadgie zine is... He Marv was saying him and his brother used to have a competition to see who could sit the furthest back on the toilet when having a shit. And his brother won, much to his mum's disgust. And he overheard his mum talking to one of her friends saying, I don't know how they do it, they must be growing arseholes halfway up their back <laughs> or something like that. It's it's just great. Right, There's a brilliant article in this, or sort of columns, sort of, sort of just thought pieces from paul from in it on it in it on it yeah it is in it on it these are people that i've kind of written to and traded zines with for probably not not for a while but i do know the names i've just never said them out loud i don't think it's a decent review of an event that happened in peterborough now i know peterborough really well but i've never been to a gig there i really need to rectify that and then there's a long old column from Mr. T, another old friend who does a magazine, a zine rather, called Lights Go Out. It's He's written a column in the vein of some of the longer articles that Marv writes in Gadget, which are remin, you know, childhood reminiscences, which are very, very funny. And this one's all about playing football in the park. I read it. I enjoyed it. can't massively relate to it, not being a football fan at all. But again, it's, Mr. T... Paul as I know him, uh, writes in such a such a nice way. I mean the proofreader in me is slightly troubled because I am a proofreading pro as part of my job, but who gives a shame? So what have we got after I'm just flicking through as I'm as I'm recording this. Beat Panic. Um Oh, I'm gonna to have to stop for a minute. How have I not read this yet? Oh it's a review, is it? It's an interview with Beat Panic. Dear me, I must be... I'm recording this on a Saturday afternoon. I think my brain dribbled out my ears. The, the end of this issue, of Gadji is just a massive review of a three-day-long sort of hardcore festival in Leeds, which is just wonderful. I love this kind of gonzo-style style reviewing. This, the, the live reviews that, that we do for Beat Motel, I kind of want to have this feel. Because it's really an immersive thing. It's more than describing the bands and who played and all that jazz, and it's a lot more about how it felt to be there. What what the vibe was, who was bumped into, and all these funny little asides. And I love reading in Marv's live reviews. The I love the reading about him making the most of of travelling somewhere and the little sort of side side missions he goes on so we went to a hip hop museum in Leeds which sounds cool and just uh, right so let, let me give a summary of Gadgie do you know what I can't actually remember how much these things cost anymore it's probably like a quid oh, it must be a couple of quid now but you get 32 pages and just send him like just send him send him 20 quid and you'll be getting these for years <laughs> Um, there is no website or anything, but you can email nowthengadgie at gmail.com. I heartily recommend you do. Tell him Andrew Culture said hello. So nowthengadgie at gmail.com. I'm going to spell it for you. N-O-W-T-H-E-N-G-A-D-G-I-E at gmail.com. Hopefully you know how to spell gmail.com. There you go, Gadji. Love it. I'm not going to give it a star rating because it would be something stupid like 429 stars. I will just say, Marv is booked in for an interview um, on this here very zine. On this, his, oh, yeah, I'm probably just going to press stop now and have a rest for a bit cause me. Me gob stopped working. I have an interview with Marv coming up soon for the Beat Motel Zine. You got anything to add, Cat? No, I haven't. So the other thing I'm reviewing on this Beat Motel episode is A Network of Friends, Volume 5, or Number 5. I didn't describe the size of Gadji. It's the same size as Network of Friends, which is A5. And this one looks a bit more photocopied. I know it won't be photocopied, because they do loads of these, and photocopying is actually a huge pain in the arse if you're doing more than a few issues. Um, I'm going to have to take a guess at page count. I'm going to say 64 because there's hang on one two three four right network of friends is a whole bunch of zines together that's why I can't figure out the page count and I can't be asked to count them but the very back page says 16 and I know there's a lot more than 16 pages in here so the contributors for this are a bunch of other zines so there's a blast in the past which despite having seen the network of friends before I don't think I've read there's bootlegs of filth, crisis point, gadgie, hooray, in it, on it, hooray, negative insight, again, not sure I know that name, and verminose protruder, what, verminose protruder, I'm saying it fast in case it means something else, it's V-E-R-M-Y-M-O-N-O-Z-E-P-U-T-R-I-D-A, I should probably put my glasses on when I do these reviews, so it's a load of zines all packaged together, and I've seen them before, but not for years and years and years. These things are about when I used to do Beat Motel as a paper zine. And I kind of quit that possibly 14 years ago. Might not have been that long ago. but So, Network of Friends. Now, first up, the first zine in it is A Blast from the Past, which I don't think I've heard of before. And it's quite odd for a zine because the inside cover of the whole package of the whole zine is, in fact is the cover of A Blast from the Past. The the print on this is proper copy-paste. Now, I don't mean copy and paste in the modern sense. I mean copy-paste like pieces of paper typed out and then cut up and then glued down and photocopied, or I guess scanned. This is not desktop publishing. This is proper zine stuff. I was always too coward to do that. I just used... Adobe InDesign because I'm that kind of twat who knows how to do things like that. But the surprised me about the first page of A Blast from the Past is I saw the, the little subheading, A Four Minute Warning. I thought well, sounds like a classic punk band. Then the next subheading is the 1983 Nuclear False Alarm. I thought possibly a name for a thrash band, but um, might maybe not. And then there's a, a logo that says Nuclear Free Zone which looks... A lot like a lot of logos I saw growing up in the eighties, like nuclear power, no thanks, and and all those kind of things. But what is actually on the front, for the front, the first couple of pages of the uh, blast from the past scene is a, a couple of articles and excerpts from a book called um, what is it called? It's oh man, I really I've struggled to read this. If I'm honest, it's really. It's really small text, which is is par for the course with zines, but it's really interesting. It's, it's an interesting kind of few bits about the threat of nuclear war, which I do very much, I remember very clearly. And it, it's worth a read just for that it's sort of slightly political, but it's quite it's quite neutral in the way it reports it. Then there's some what looked like very old zine reviews. In Leeds, which God, I, I just found fascinating. It's like a historical document, and all the flyers and bits that are pasted around the articles are absolutely brilliant. Give you an idea of the go- uh, the, the gigs. There's the, the double spread I'm looking at at the moment on the left hand side. Oh look, toy dolls. And sorry, I was, like noticing patterns that stick out like a sore thumb. And toy dolls always do to me. I, I don't. I mean that in a good way. They're just not like any other band. Right. So the left hand page. Is disorder, Cobra with a K, lunatic fringe and amoebics on tenth of August 1983. Right hand page is caught now, what is how about this for a gig? Flux of pink Indians, Andy T two minutes of twelve minutes of dates, An anxiety, anti-sect and womba. womba. Oh look, I'm making my life difficult here. I'm trying to read it on the fly. That was why I was kind of pausing there. But yeah, Chumbawamba instigates anti-sex flux of pink Indians. That's a hell of a lineup. There's a little bit on there where, who whoever it is that's writing this is sort of saying a few words in defence of Chumbawamba, saying they're not the uh, the uh, po-faced serious punks that history has kind of recorded them as. I'll oh, just flicking through this. This this is a real joy. If you if you want to know about the early 80s scene, there's a discharge and anti simics review from nineteen eighty six. Discharge live at Adam and Eve's in Leeds. Sacrilege, concrete socks, annihilated. Oh, annihilated! That's an Ipswich band. Um, I'm going to stop recording for a minute and actually read some more of this. I don't want to kind of spoil the spoil the the magic here, but when you hear. Beat my tell episodes like this. I'm recording them using an app, so I can record little chunks. It's the same way I do the live reviews. So I'm going to press stop for a little bit and do some reading because I'm getting distracted by wanting to read rather than wanting to tell you about it. Just a, a, a small sort of correction or, or point of clarity in "Blast from the Past." It's not a copy of you know, it's not a verbatim copy of reviews from old gigs. The author quite excellently explains kind of the. the I don't know. Sometimes the socially political goings on around gigs at the time. For example, the, the mention of Annihilated, um, the Ipswich band that I just mentioned. It says that you know they were one of the few bands who stuck stuck to their punk roots and lasted a little longer than the rest. I think I'm making a mistake here. I, I assumed each scene would have a clear intro page. I don't think they do. So. I think all those reviews might be somebody else, because I'm now onto a page with um, the with Subhumans interview, which, for one thing, is bloody cool to see. It turns out they've got a new album. I didn't know that. <laughs> the Subhumans interview is called Reasons for Persistence, which I think is so brilliant. Uh, if you know the subhumans, you'll hopefully know why that's such a brilliant title for the for the article. But yeah, an interview with Dick from the subhumans, a nice one. But I just noticed at the bottom it does say crisis point, so that might be the crisis point part of the zine. Uh, but oh, yeah, looking forward to this. I'm not going to give away much, but I haven't read an interview with Dick. Oh, it's long as well. Four pages, photos. Oh, they're modern pictures. Dick hasn't aged after. Yeah. Oh, and then we're on to Gadgie. Right. I'm going to stop um i've probably gone on about gadget for long enough now but i probably won't be able to resist telling you a little bit more about this but yeah apologies to bootlegs of filth if that was that was the contributor who was doing the the retro gig stuff but because oh, such as the world of zines it's not exactly full of clarity but clarity ain't the point it's a direct network communication Predictably, I am going to mention some of the Gadgie bit. One of the things I've always liked is it's based in Boston, as in Boston, Lincolnshire, home of um, many things, including the fantastically titled uh, compilation album This Is Boston, Not Boston. <laughs> but the names of the bands, I'm only into the second paragraph, and Marv in this has done a proper copy and paste job as well rather than whatever it is he normally does for, for his own scene. Um He's talking about gigs being put on and finding new venues and I just want, to na- just want to read you the names of the bands. The Undying Swan Act <laughs> Wolf Beast Destroyer just brilliant and then the fantastically titled South Holland Indecency Team <laughs> just spotted one of the articles that Marv is uh, selling his zines at gigs which is proper, that is proper 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 zine law that is selling you zines at gigs i remember a friend of mine called ricky who plays in a band called red flag and east Ham pirates said that him and his friends used to make zines just to take to gigs to sell for beer money <laughs> okay. i'm gonna have to stop and move on to the next zine to just stop talking about it but brilliant article um about bowl cuts in the ganji section Bowl cuts my god a bowl cut if you're not in the uk just buy the zine just for description of a bowl cut. Wow. I'm just scuttling upstairs. I'll be down in a minute, okay? Scuttling upstairs. I've got the in staying here. I've got to read you a bit from, from Ganji. I can't do it in character. I'm just going to read it. Marv's recall of things that happened when he was at school are amazing. Just the language here. I'm going to read it once and if I mess it up, I'm not going to do it again. It's a young boy explaining to his geography teacher why he's late for class. <laughs> after he said to the teacher um, we're in the boys bog zone fried egg started on us and uh Marge says teach had no idea our uh, buddy was going on about anyway the child then goes on to explain to the teacher he's this worse hard fourth year he said what are you doing in here and we're in the toilets and he said are you pulling your pud and we didn't know what that meant so we started laughing and he said what are you laughing at are you looking at my knob is your brother called Pube? He is, isn't he? You're Pube's brother, aren't you? We legged it and he said he was going to give us a crack in the head like so. We didn't want to get braid on, so we pegged it on. That's why we're late, like. <laughs> cool, this is a proper zine. My fingers are all grubby like you used to get when you read a newspaper. <laughs> Oops, pardon me. Oh, turns out there is a gadgy Facebook page, so I'll put that in the show notes. This is a top episode of Gabs' episodes. I do think of Gadgy Zine as episodes. Yeah, the uh, Gadgy part of Network of Friends is a particularly good one, even in a, a, an oeuvre of exceptionally high quality. Well done, Marv. I've just spotted something of a rarity in zines, and that's a date, a sign off date as well. And that sign off date at the end of one zine section is September 2019. So there you go. <laughs> As uh, the the world of zines does not move fast, so I'm getting this copy quite arrived maybe a week ago, which is October twenty twenty three. That's actually fairly fast for the world of zines. Right, if you listen carefully, oh, better shut up. Yeah, that's the sound of um the sound of my in-laws and my wife and child. <coughs> Actually Strictly, that's me opening my front door. It's not a review episode, don't get excited, I'm just stepping out the front door, walking about 10 or 15 metres. I've got the keys to my neighbour's house. And I'm going to go to my neighbour's house. And. Reading this scene because I'm fucked if I'm watching Strictly Come Dancing. I uh. hope oh, that happened again. The other reason I'm at my neighbour's house is they're away and we love their cat and their cat gets very lonely. So when our neighbours are away, we come and sit in their house and there's the keys, I mustn't forget them. Uh, Pete in my pocket. We come and sit in their house and just keep the company. There's a Weeble on the floor. It's a Penguin Weeble. I've never seen a Penguin Weeble. Right, I'm going to crack on with reading this scene because I'm very much enjoying it. Just walked in, my mother-in-law had picked up the issue of and was reading it and started telling me about the uh, Boston Stump, which I guess if you live in Boston, Lancashire, will probably mean something to you. She doesn't, she lives in Peterborough. So maybe I ought to get her to read the... Uh, In it on it section of this scene, which I think is coming up soon. Oh, there's a cat on me. Oh, she's not purring yet. Come on. Pickle, pickle, what's the matter? No, you can sit on me. I've covered myself in a blanket because she's a dribbler. (laughs) She's such a heavy breathing cat. She's fine, just in case anyone's worried. Come on, settle down. Sound of plodding and purring. The dribbling will start soon. Next up in this issue of a network of friends is negative insight. And I looked and went, oh, they've got P.O. Box in Chelmsford. They're local. Chelmsford being Essex, me being in Suffolk. But no, it's Chelmsford in that there, Massachusetts. In them, their USA USAs. Looks like there's an article on napalm death. I'm going to say looks like because... The Winters are drawing in here, and I cannot fucking read this. I need a spotlight or something. It looks interesting, and I'm looking forward to reading this. Oh, man. Yeah, this isn't going to make for a great review. I quite like the fact that it's issued XXX, though. There's a lot about reading proper zines, especially punk scenes, that makes me so excited and feel such a connection to a scene that, to be honest, I haven't really played much music in I haven't been in a hardcore band or anything remotely heavy for years. And uh reading these scenes kind of makes me miss it a lot. There's something about a zine that you can pick up a zine anytime you like and it feels like a friend has invited you to catch up with them. The best scenes are so anti clique and so welcoming. Anyway, the cat's buggered off somewhere, where's she gone? I'm going to read you the uh, intro to the Negative Insight part from written by, I don't know their name yet, somebody in in Chelmsford, Massachusetts. And you have to bear with me because I haven't got my glasses on and it's dim here and the print is difficult to read for me, but I'm a biddy. Right, here we go. To begin, I'd like to thank Steve for allowing us the opportunity to participate in this project. Ripping Thrash is a zine... Oh, it's Steve from Ripping Thrash. Oh, that's a hell of a zine. Um, Ripping Thrash is a zine I have the ultimate respect for, and it embodies the best aspects of DIY punk culture. At the time I got into DIY punk, zines were still the predominant medium for learning about new bands, and the UK had a thriving and dedicated group of folks churning out high-quality A5, half-sized if you're in the US. Zines, Hell and Damnation, 666M, Attitude problem, gibbering madness, why... Oh, why? Hello, John, from why? I doubt you're listening to this. Uh, why it was great. Um, if it's the same one named after the it Discord album. Maybe. Um, and, of course, Ripping Thrash itself. Like so many other teenagers, zines were the gateway to an entire underground world that existed outside of my boring suburban town. That is why zines are cool. They are a gateway. I've read... I used to do a zine distro which basically means you trade your own zine with a lot of other people and you end up with a fucking great big box full of zines that you don't know what to do with so you take them to zine symposium or gigs and do more trading it's always best if money doesn't change hand um and there were so many z- the zines i really loved are the ones that, where people talked enthusiastically but realistically about the scenes in their town the ultimate version being MMR, um, Maximum Rock and Roll's, like, scene reports. But I can remember reading a zine where this guy, or girl, I can't remember which, this person in America, in Idaho or somewhere, was just talking about being bored one night and going out and walking around the town. But the way they explained walking around the town was so wonderful. And they apologised at the end of it and said, oh, sorry, this is just boring, but zines give you such an unfiltered insight into another world another headspace and it's the very fact it is unedited and it needs no approval from anyone that makes it so brilliant but sometimes makes it not so brilliant but you know you take the rough and the smooth because when you find a gem it beams through like finding a diamond in dog shit i'm not going to read the whole thing but i mean i'm not going to read the whole thing to you i have read the whole thing but the intro to Negative Insight is worth the cover price, whatever that might be, of a network of friends all by itself. It's the best emotive description of why zines matter so much. And, well, slightly emotionally, if I'm honest, reading it, because God, I wish I knew their name. Zine writers are either gobshites like me who say their name and tell you, or they're just this nameless existence there's loads of thanks in here thanking loads of people not actually telling us who has written it no idea whoever you are whoever does negative insight i am loving your zine so far it's very much laid out like a, the kind of zines i used to pick up in record shops here in ipswich there was i'm trying to remember poon zombie Real Overdose, which was a legendary scene that I ended up writing for. Um, Oh, just so many. I used to hide them. I used to buy zines from Rex Records here in Ipswich, formerly Parrot Records. And when I brought them home, it was almost like if I was bringing home a Grot Mag, you know, like cheap, cheap porn, (laughs) because they seemed so subversive. They seemed so shocking. And when I first got into zines in Ipswich, there was, like, two distinct camps. And the people who wrote one set of zines, who I now know, uh, people like Wolfie from The Stupids and Steve Scanner and people like that, and then the other side of it was this guy called... Well, I'm going to name him. Phil Redman. Neither good nor bad. Um, He wrote his own zines. And those two camps seemed to fucking hate each other. And it was almost... not just reading and learning about a scene. It was like a little bit of a soap opera. They were so petty, the way they fought. <laughs> I saw them in you know, the same gigs all the time a few years later and I always meant to ask them about, about it, but I never did because it seemed to be like spoiling the rules of engagement. It wasn't that they were cliquey. They just were very, I don't know, just petty. I don't know how else to put it. But petty rivalry, possibly in a fun way. I say possibly because I do know that fisticuffs very nearly occurred on uh, at least a couple of occasions. And now I'm disclosing more than I should, so I'm going to press stop and carry on reading. Pickle! Pickle! <coughs> I've got the blanket on me. Where have you gone? Oh my god, she actually ran in. Hello! Cats aren't supposed to come and you called them. You good little cat, you going to say hello. No, she's still looking at me. Look, I know I'm not your usual humans. But I am going to sit here, and I've got the the dribble blanket on. Yeah? do pickle. Oh, she's sitting on me now and digging her claws in. (laughs) The dribbling has begun. Right, as I said earlier, I don't know where one zine ends and the next one begins in the network of friends. But I've just gone through several pages of some bloody brilliant artwork. The sort of fading... uh, Fading? Yeah, fading and shading, I guess. I don't know how people can draw like that. It's brilliant. No idea who it's by, but there's a page that says Rest in Peace Stig at the end, which um, I'm assuming isn't the, the character from Top Gear. The cat's dribbling. She's settling down. Her claws are in my flare. She hurts. Now we're into the... Uh... I always have to pause before reading it because I've never been quite sure how to pronounce it. In It, On It, part of the zine by Paul. And Paul and I, we traded zines and, and I, I've always liked, liked the way he writes. He's, He's somebody who can write very, very well. In fact, the way he writes is beautiful, it's eloquent, it's brief... It's to the point, it doesn't float around. You can tell someone's a good writer when they don't use long words, essentially. And Paul, if you do ever hear this, as one writer to another, that's a you know it's a compliment if you're into writing. I had no idea he actually worked as a journalist. Makes total fucking sense. The clarity and beauty of Paul's writing, of Paul I always think of him as Paul in it on it. Paul in it on yeah, is in it on it. I've always enjoyed it. whereas some zines I said earlier about you don't have to be a perfect writer, I'd far more interested in if you can get the gist across, if you can get a feeling, if you can get an experience jotted down in any way that means sense to another another human being, you're winning. I couldn't give a shit if your grammar is correct. But Paul's grammar tone everything about the way he writes it's like fresh running clear water if you've been living in a pigsty covered in shit paul if you do listen i salute you no i don't because no gods no masters and fuck all that shit but great intro just just reading the intro to to the in it on it in it on it bit of a network of friends and i'm already just remembering just how much i bloody love paul's writing. When we make the Beat by Tell podcast we try not to use caveats or apologies but this isn't quite an apology but the first article in the In It On It thing I've just read has resonate, resonated in me with, with, with quite a deep way. It's an article about cancer and for one thing it's proof that if you read a scene you never quite know what you're going to get or what's going to connect with you but I very flippantly said No Gods, No Masters a minute ago because it's it's true. It, it is a thing, in especially the more anarcho side of scenes, which I identify with, but poor mate, if you're listening to this, I wasn't taking the piss because you quote something very similar. God, this is... Yeah, if you are not read a scene, this is a good jumping in point. You know, if you want to get into a band and you're like, well... Where should I start? If you want to get into zines... I'm actually welling up now. If you want to get into zines, buy a network of friends number five. It's it's bloody great. It's really good. <laughs> the next article, Is Their Life After Work? I love the way Paul writes. Um, it's a long shot. He's talking about record shops in Peterborough. I've never found any that are any good. There's one on Mayor's Walk that sells... Second-hand records. i just realised, 10 years in Peterborough. God, I counted back. I've been going to Peterborough and spending a lot of time there since I met my, my now wife, um, who I met in 1994. So, yeah, I, I'm still shocked reading reading through this. And I've been going to Peterborough and spending a lot of time there for so long. I've not been to a gig. Why the fuck haven't I been to a gig? Paul invited me to a gig. Oh, you don't need to invite me. Right, if anyone's interested, I'm drinking Merlot tonight. I've only had a glass there. But it's a funny old thing, what a zine can do to you. And this was meant to be a quick review, but you're hearing a blow-by-blow <laughs> blow account of the uh, emotional connection a zine's can have with you. Okay, okay now we're into... <sighs> vermidnoise ver- Putrid. Oh, Verminoise Putrid. Anyway, subtitle, hardcore punk chaos scene. Already like it. The uh, layouts are batshit crazy. And I mean that as a compliment. You want every page of a zine to just occupy as much as possible. So Paul's thing before in on it, it's all about the words. And he just lays it out quite bare. These are the words, take it, leave it. Which fits the way he writes entirely. This scene for my noise, putrid... Hardcore punk chaos scene is more like the zines I remember from very early nineties. It's almost like they were paying for ink by the gram, so there is no white space. Fill it all. Make it busy, 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 busy. I'm going to wind this episode in now. But the final part of the zines is an interview with Autonomia, who are an anarchist rock band. Rock band. I hate saying that. They're an anarchist. Okay, they're just a band. Doesn't matter if they're anarchist punk rock, doesn't matter, whatever, but they're in Peru. Where the fuck else are you going to read about bands in Peru? I honestly don't know. This experience of reading this network of friends has made you realise how incredibly important the zines are. Oh, cats run off. Um, and it's important they're in print. I don't want to be sat here right now with my in-laws and my wife and daughter watching Strictly Come Dancing sitting here looking at another screen I value the fact I'm holding a piece of paper in my hand when you create a website and believe me I know they're so defined the borders around your creativity are strict and solid with zines do what the fuck you want. And I will admit, we Beat Motel zine, when it was a paper zine, I didn't do that. I, I did just desktop publishing. I did the computer thing. But this network of friends, I can look at this zine and I can look at a painting or an illustration someone's done and probably... <laughs> God, I'm really into wanker territory here. But probably more time and hours have gone into this zine than a painting. That It's like capturing the soul of a scene. Certainly the soul of the writers. Well, if I'm on to stuff like that, it's probably about time for me to wind this episode in. So thanks for listening. It wasn't quite what I intended it to be. And I've now got to go and check the litter tray for my neighbour's cats. But I have spot some Penderin on the side, so I might have a little sip of that. Graham Ross. If you're listening to this, they're the uh, owners of this house and the custodians of Pickle the Cat. I didn't really drink your whiskey, I was just trying to be some sort of stupid scene twat. Right, thanks for listening. I hope there was enough swearing in this episode for you. Next episode is a fucking brilliant one. It's about bass, bass, bass. Well that would have been a nice wrap-up if I hadn't have forgotten something quite important. There is a Gadgie book out. I uh, published it in conjunction with Marv a few years ago and I don't have any copies left, but I I think Marv does. So click the link in the show notes and buy a copy because that book is pure gold. Anyway, signing out, Andrew here. Tune in for the next episode when we're talking about bass. (laughs) The title is Bass, How Low Can You Go Morally? Cheers.